This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I'm stood outside the shop in Manchester with my friend. I'm 24 or 25 years old, about two years ago. And this kid, apparently my age, pulls up in front of me in this big black Rolls Royce. There I am scratching my head. Who the fuck is this guy? Dressed incredibly well, young, good looking. Apparently lives in the same city as me, but I've never met him before. And my friend turns to me and says, oh, they're the Represent Brothers. They run that clothing line. And this was the first time I had ever heard about George and Mike Heaton, the brothers behind the world-renowned clothing brand Represent, a streetwear brand born and bred in Greater Manchester. And listen, this isn't just any old streetwear brand. This is a streetwear brand worn by the likes of Two Chains, the Kardashians, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber asked if he could wear their brand and asked them to send him stuff. But the brand hasn't always been globally renowned. The now 26 and 28-year-old entrepreneur brothers initially started Represent in their dad's back garden. And once they'd outgrown their dad's back garden, they moved into the house. And once they'd made enough money selling Represent out of the house, they got their own place. They're now five years into running this business, and their annual turnover has increased from 1.8 million in 2014 to nearly 10 million in 2018. The brand is now stocked in over 160 outlets around the country. Harvey Nichols, Selfridges, you name it. And this brand is different. And here's the context. We live in a world where everybody is making clothing lines. It's seen as the low-hanging fruit to being an entrepreneur. You just get a t-shirt and stick a logo on it, start an Instagram page, launch a Shopify store, and start selling. That's the world we live in. It's like the first business that everybody defaults to. But when I look at Represent, when you look at the Instagram, when you look at what the brand stands for, they are just different. And I'm not saying this to kiss ass. I've thought this for the longest time. So I had to invite them on this podcast and find out what's driving that unique inspiration. And when I heard that they were two brothers, that added another layer to my curiosity. What's it like running a business with your brother? Who does what? Do you argue? How do you overcome the hard times? In this week's episode, we discuss the early days, how they started out in their dad's back garden, how their family took it, their friends, relationships, pros and cons, mental health, and everything in between. So without further ado, this is the Diary of a CEO, and I'm Stephen Butler. I hope nobody is listening, but if you are, then please keep this to yourself. Mike and George, it's a it's a real pleasure to have you here. I, I am as someone that's remarkably uninspiringly dressed. Usually, I just tend to wear black because it's safer. 
I've I've really looked up to you guys as role models in a fashion sense because you've always it's felt like from me looking from afar that you've always had a very unique style and once I discovered Represent as a brand I was super super inspired to meet you because it's clearly got a very unique sort of perspective on fashion and so it's a, it's a real pleasure to meet you today and to have you here you're two entrepreneurs from the city that I started my business in as well so there's tons of things there that I want to ask about Manchester and being business owners etc but first, I, I guess the question is, um, how did Represent All start for you? I, I'd love to, I, I heard a story about a garage in your dad's uh, garden, so. Yeah, so back in 2012, I was just finishing college, which was a BTEC graphic design course, mm -hmm. which I'd done because Mike had done that and it looked cool. And the last project was actually to create something graphic based that you could sell. Right. And at the time we was working for our dad on the weekends and helping him sell minibuses and that was what we didn't want to do we wanted to sell our art so mm -hmm. this was a big push for me to actually start something that could create our futures mm -hmm. um so i took down a list of names that i liked and representing was one of them and i thought that's kind of cool it kind of it's kind of like about us um how we're going to display the clothes um and then i just took the ink off and it became represent and we screen printed that onto 25 t-shirts which cost 150 pounds at a time and it went it went from there yeah and so where did where did the business start where was your sort of first office per se was so my dad had well actually it was in my bedroom i still have the stickers on my wardrobe cabinets saying small medium large xl mm -hmm. to this day which is pretty cool but that's where that's it started fair. in my bedroom whilst i was going to university every day i was packaging orders at 6 a.m taking them to the post office going to university coming home trying to design something, going to sleep, doing it all again, same day, repetitively. Um, eventually, we got enough stock to move into a shed that my dad had in the back garden. Mm -hmm. um, lovely shed. It's actually made of bricks, got windows oh, in really? it, which is great. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so that was our first office. So we didn't have any outgoings because we didn't have employees and my dad let us use that. And eventually that got swamped with clothes and then the garage got swamped with clothes and then the kitchen and the living room and upstairs was swamped with clothes but my mum and dad absolutely loved it because we were making money doing something that we loved so and how old were you at that point i was 19 and you must have been 21 21 yeah cool. yeah you know i was going to wait and ask this question but i really just want to ask it now what's what's it like working with your brother i'm sure you get asked this a lot but mike maybe you can answer that nice no, it's good we, we're like um complete opposites so it's a bit of like a, a yin and a yang mm -hmm. um type situation george is more of a go get her do it now make it happen and i'm more of like a perfectionist type um because i'm i'm like more the creative director in sure. the company um care more about the the product and the design and mm -hmm. yeah from what you've said there i'm guessing george is um in, a little bit more impatient very impatient that is <laughs> i have zero patience always have done all my life um that's just how it is mike has the most patience so kind of works because i i i create things give it to him he'll finish it off and i'm interested in fashion i just don't feel like i've got the time to uh, invest in making myself look good so i think this is part of the reason i just go for all black every day because it's you know if it stains no one's going to talk shit about yeah. me etc cetera, etc cetera. but your clothing and the brand that you've created feels so unique compared to a lot of the stuff that I see on from sort of these sort of like Alibaba brands that are popping up on Instagram where some guy from Love Island just writes yeah. a word on a shirt and yeah. says that the brand has meaning. What, how have you done that? And what's the sort of unique inspiration behind that? 
I think when we was growing up as kids, we were different to everyone else in school, the way we dressed and what we listened to and the way we had our hair. And we just, we, we weren't in the same kind of culture of what the local communities were to us. So we had our own look mm-hmm. all the way through school. And that that kind of created the actual, the the identity of the brand. What we wanted to wear is what we create. Mm-hmm. We don't make anything that we won't wear ourselves. That's like, because that, our brand is our, is our personal journey. Our inspirations are what we find around us, but we play it in a way that's different to everyone else. And do, do you think that if you launched your brand today versus when you launched it, it would have had the same success it's had because it's a slightly would, more saturated market. At this age that I'm at now and with the knowledge that I've got, yeah, yeah, I could recreate it, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We'd probably struggle for the first part because we built a core fan base over the past so many years, mm-hmm. which which is always growing, but to then restart that again, it would be difficult and everything changed, the climate's changed, the social media's changed, the way you sell things has changed. So I don't know, it'd be good. I'd mm-hmm. love to, I'd love to try again anyway. I think going back to that identity question, it'd still have a strong identity because we'd still be doing things that we can relate to in like the prints mm-hmm. and, and the fits and stuff like that. And because it comes from a really real place, mm. it must be. It would be pretty easy to. Yeah, there's no, there's no trend forecasting. There's no looking on other people's websites saying, "Oh, this looks cool. Let's do this." Which everyone seems mm. to be doing now, and everyone's creating the same things. But when, when you're the creator of that one product, everyone knows who did it first. So, mm-hmm. and how, you, on that point, you must get knocked off all the time. Oh yeah, every day. I mean, Manchester's the hub of that. <laughs> this is the city of knockoff. But how does it feel? I love it. It's like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, yeah. Does it piss you off a little bit? Used to back in the day. Um, I used to retaliate to it, especially on like my Instagram stories. Tell me what you did. Because listen, let's just full disclosure. Um, on my Instagram, I get knocked off all the time. Not to the same degree because you guys are. <laughs> I could not <laughs> compare the the shitty Twitter quotes and the videos that I make to like um, the the art that you create. But I I, t- I talked on this podcast about getting knocked off one day. This guy got uh, two hundred fifty thousand retweets for creating something that I made, and my how I was triggered at the start, and over time how I've me and my team have come to come to sort of at peace with it now because it's part of the game it's an unavoidable part of this game but talk to me about the first time you got triggered about being knocked off oh it'd be the first time there was a a brand right another uk brand that would literally find our factories use our suppliers take the same cottons make the same kind of clothes and then put everything down five pounds really but like people aren't going to buy that people aren't going to buy something that's a rip off of something else and slightly cheaper if you're going to do it, it needs to be half the price and it needs to, it still needs to be relevant to who you're selling it to because the same customer is not going to go and buy yours mm-hmm. if they've already seen it somewhere else at a similar price. Mm-hmm. Um, that brand never really frustrated me. It, it, the only things that do frustrate me are when it's an exact copy mm-hmm. where it's literally someone's bought our pair of pants, sent it to China and stitch to stitch is the same. Right. And then, yeah, I'll shout about it on my story. But as a, as, as a funny thing, sure. I'll fill it with laughing faces. Yeah. And Sure. There's so many young people that try and start 
start brands. It's kind of this is question is kind of similar to the one I just asked. There's so many young people on my Instagram and in my friendship circle that one of the first things they think of doing because it's a product that I guess is close to all of our hearts and it's something that we all somewhere in our our own egos think that we can create. Um, and be successful at. They all try and start clothing brands, it seems. It seems like the first, one of the first businesses everybody tries to start. Yeah, it's like every man and his dog's got a, a clothing brand now. Mm -hmm. um, but like when we started, there wasn't there wasn't that issue. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah, just that think wasn't a thing. I think it came with time. It, start, mm -hmm. it started as, as like a merch thing for bands mm -hmm. when, we, when we first launched. And then you see the waves of people coming thinking they can do it and more people do it and then eventually some of those brands gained attraction and then yeah everyone's everyone started it everyone asks that's all we get dms about every day is like what what um advice can you give mm -hmm. and so if i was say i'm a i'm i'm 23 and i'm like george mike um i've I, I just want one tip okay and i'll give you a grand for the tip i'm gonna give you a thousand pounds i just want one tip on how i can um succeed within the the fashion world give me one tip each i'll give you a grand each in this hypothetical question <clears throat> make sure you're 100 percent passionate about going down that route and why is that so important i think you've got to live it you've got to, everything you've got to breathe it you've got to sleep it you've got to dream about it at night mm -hmm. you got to be thinking about it whilst you're eating in the morning you've got to be in the gym thinking about it it's it's more of a, um, a dedicated lifestyle than it is just creating a brand that you can work on at night. What about you, Mike? Mine will just be like, stay true to your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially like in this climate now, people on social media reacting to trends straight away, they're just losing that. And that'd be a good thing to have now. And on that point, George, that you said about really living it, how much of your life does represent and running this business? 100%. Yeah. Everything. Absolutely everything, isn't it? Yeah. What's the biggest misconception as I'm going to go back to being that 21 year old kid that just asked you that question. What's the, when I'm looking at your life on Instagram and I'm seeing, you know, you, um, you, you dress so well, you, you go to nice places. Sometimes I'm sure I'm, I'm sad that you got a nice watch on Mike. Thank you. Really nice watch on. And what's, I'm looking what's wrong with that. Oh, so I didn't see yours. It was under <laughs> your, your jumper. Also nice Mike, if you're selling and I'm seeing your life. What, what is the biggest misconception that I have as this 21 year old kid that's about to try and follow you down that path? What's the, what's the biggest thing that I'm not seeing? You're not seeing the, the the work behind everything um, and how long it actually takes to produce that end result that is getting showed on Instagram. I actually now try to show everything. I take a videographer with me everywhere I go and show the process of the production and that six months of a collection being made to actually then putting out as a campaign and going on sale. Mm -hmm. So I do try and communicate that myself, which a lot of brand owners don't do and because the fashion industry is so fast reactant and so quickly to move on from things that that whole thing is lost the process is lost like you can go and look at an amazing dior jacket in a shop you you don't know the process of how that's been made and where the inspiration comes from mm -hmm. um because they're already six months ahead showing a runway show for the next collection mm -hmm. so i try i try and step back and actually create a showing of what what really goes into behind the products mm -hmm. i think um like how personal it is as well is a big thing that people don't realize like yeah you can create one or two products starting off but then when it gets to like 150 and you're designing them products with like they have to be things that you can relate to you can draw inspiration from you can um, resonate to like they they 
it's it's quite it's quite a personal thing. I think um, people don't appreciate that as well because that's what I say when I say it. it's like art. Yeah, you know, I can imagine because your stuff is feels so unique. Yeah, it's not like everything else that I mm. see. So uh, it's crystal clear that there's yeah. that it's coming from a. It can become quite daunting, you know, when you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. So. And in terms of sacrifice, people don't really get to see that either. What, how, what's the sacrifice been for you two building this business? Relationships. Um, We're going to talk about Family that. time. Yeah. Uh, everything gets sacrificed. I mean, we live the brand, but luckily not friendships because I employed all my best friends starting off. That's how it became um, like a family-run brand, really, because we, would, we didn't really know what we were doing and we didn't have specific job roles for people and we'd never structured a business before. So we'd take people as we were growing and trying to, they would learn along the ways with us. Mm-hmm. So I've always got um, a strong group of, my, like my core team is like my best friends. That's really interesting. Not a lot of businesses would take that. Uh, Everyone but... says that's the worst decision you could make and they have done from the start, but I love it. What, what, what's the dynamics like when you're working with friends? Because I can, I can only imagine working with my best friend. I think I would have probably suffocated him by now. With a with a with a pillow or something because we're because someone and it's it's almost the same thing with working with a brother because you are so close. There's almost I would imagine, and again I'm just guessing, the 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 professionalism barrier which is mm. um, often demonstrated within a professional environment probably I'm guessing again it isn't there. So it's like if you piss me off, you're a prick. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that to, you know. Well, yeah, I think I think you've just got to have a mutual respect. Um, through and through and if you're both on the same paths and you both see the same vision then it's not it's not too difficult yeah there's different different perks with it I mean you, you, you do get that but then again you can trust that person a lot more than you could somebody else mm-hmm. who you don't know you talk there about your team hiring people is isn't easy but it's so incredibly important what, what have you learned about hiring over the years that it's a really difficult process mm-hmm. when especially when it's not someone you know. I mean, the first five, six people that we hired were friends. So mm-hmm. we know their background. We know th- we know their their abilities and what their habits are. So when you're bringing people in, especially close to you as your core team, and you don't know their habits and you don't know what they're like from a personal point of view, it is difficult. And it's sometimes you've got to bite the bullet on things and sometimes you've got to see how it goes. But... You understand that's why there's like a probation period and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even if you interview someone, <laughs> yeah. oh, it can all be absolutely amazing in the interview, yeah. and they can bring in all this work that they've done, and all this work that they've actually done for your brand, and then they can come into the brand and it just be a completely different story. Mm. In order to work at represent, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to, what's the one thing that you each look for in a, a person that you're looking to hire? Great mindset. Great mindset. Yeah just to see if they can relate to the brand as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, yeah for me it's a work ethic mindset right um i adore the people that come in and they're in on time and they leave on time and they, they get the work done mm-hmm. that's what it's all about for me and that's kind of like the fundamentals isn't it really yeah exactly yeah. yeah one of our mutual friends adam who runs a restaurant in manchester um he invited you down to tattoo when he had that sort of closed door night with justin bieber i remember seeing you there and um, from what I read online, Justin Bieber gave you a pretty big compliment. Yeah, so we came in to tattoo. Um, the other brother, Drew, invited us. 
Mm-hmm. Had to say the cold word on the door. Yeah, a bit strange for Manchester. Yeah, just explain that. Explain explain that because it was very very strange, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, we didn't really know what was going on. Um, and yeah, we was in there. Justin Bieber walked past James, who is our general manager, and said like, "Oh, I like your jacket. What is it?" James ended up speaking to him about the brand. Took his, I think it was his bodyguard's card. Mm-hmm. His bodyguard told us to bring some clothes tomorrow um, to a house in Cheshire where they were staying. So we filled the boot. <laughs> we filled the boot and off we went. And the rest is history. He wore it for the rest of that tour and he was pictured everywhere in it and he got some amazing press and did really well for our sales. That's crazy. Yeah, so thanks, Adam and Drew. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't get anything out of that fucking dinner, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get nobody's card. Um, yeah, that's crazy. When you're thinking about the future of the brand and where you want to go, what is that place? Is there a place? Do you, do you think that far ahead? No, we don't actually think that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um kind of stick with the next year because we're designing a year ahead with collections that's where we stay mm-hmm. um i think it's good for good for the mindset and i think thinking too far in advance when you're designing something that's further back than that can cause a bit of an issue um but we've got some amazing stuff coming up even for the rest of this year we've got some great collaborations coming up which is pretty cool i'm excited for those mike's working on fall winter 20 at the moment oh wow how do you know what's coming in for winter 20? This we, is a good one. Okay. We don't know what's coming in. So you're creating it, I guess. We just, like, like we said, we just make what we want to wear. Debates within fashion at the moment. We've got a lot of fashion clients at, um, at Social Chain is this topic of sustainability and how the, the clothes we make and wear are impacting the environment. And it feels to me as someone, again, that's a bit of a fashion outsider, that this is a very new cause for concern within the industry because I didn't hear this conversation happening when we started our business and we were yeah. working with brands back then. What's your, your take on that? And what are you doing as a brand to fall in line with, with that? To start off, we're, we are a sustainable brand. We make everything in Britain that we can, which is a small carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we don't make in Britain is either in Italy or Portugal, which is again, pretty close to us. Um, the second thing is we, we're a high-end brand in terms of the value and the quality of the product. So that in itself is sustainability. If we can sell a product that's seasonless and remains in people's wardrobes for a long period of time, rather than them buying and throwing away, that's decreasing landfills. Mm-hmm. As well as that, we're actually changing all our packaging at the moment. So all the plastics are reused, um, recycled plastics, all the cards are like recycled bamboo, things like that. And then we're doing a collaboration actually at the moment for charity, which is going to come out at the end of this year. Super exciting. And uh, let me take this in a slightly different direction. Young guys, successful business, doing well. What role has money and success played in your personal lives and in your business as a motivating factor or from an early age? From an early age when you're the kid that puts pictures of cars on your walls Mm -hmm. and that like you want to get that money to be able to get that car. And then I think you get to a stage where you way past that and it just doesn't matter. And it's all about building a great team and enjoying the experiences that you're in and really enjoying the process. And I think the money just comes along with it. Mm. You agree? Um, I agree, yeah. I think even earlier from that, it comes from just having a mum and dad with a strong work ethic and them sort of having nicer things than other people's mum and dads and kind of instilled that in us, didn't it? Yeah, when, when, we was in, when we was in primary school, like my dad would take me and drop me off in a Range Rover and all the kids would be like, 
well, oh, fuck, your dad's got a sick car. <laughs> and that gave me a feeling inside where I was like, right, I want to be like that, dad. <laughs> like, that's what I want to be. So that kind of gave us the, the mindset to be able to actually work every day at our, our goals and try and get to that place where we're happy with what we've got and it, it is nice things. If people say your dad's got a Range Rover, you've, you've always had fancy things, you had an advantage, what do you say to them? Yeah, you can say that, but we surpassed that belief within a couple of years of the brand. Like everyone used to say that, they'd say, oh, this is the parents' brand or the dad gave them some a few thousand pounds to start this or whatever. But mm -hmm. when it gets to a certain level and you're in 160 stores around the world and mm -hmm. you've got this online business that's doing X amount, then yeah, you, your dad can't really do that. Why do you think people say things like that? Um, I, I guess to make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a, a showing of jealousy, but I don't know. I think it's a human nature. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I have the same conversation with Umar Kamani about, um, obviously he came from a, a yeah. you know, billionaire family and he's he encounters the same narrative, but I think in the same respect, his, his the level that he's got to, you can't whack you can't, that, no, you can't, you can't go and get that yeah. from a parent. Like I think his his dad was in like the original Manchester rag trade. Yeah, he's created a company that's so so big. It way way surpasses that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you just you deal with it and then they get over it. And you talked a little bit about mindset there. Mental health is this massive topic at the moment. It's there's been a bit of a. Uh, a rise in awareness around um, the fact that we all have mental and physical health. And the um, this has caused huge changes in the way we run businesses, the way we use social media, the way that they build the platforms. And it's kind of like a rising in consciousness around the topic. The topic of mental health, what role does that play in your lives as entrepreneurs, but also in the way that you sort of build the business, I guess? For me, it's like going back to what I said about the design and that being sort of like, weighing on your conscience and how that can affect like your confidence because um, you can I, I can spend like a year on a product and we can sell four online so there's always that worry in the back of your mind like what if the train stops you know like what if you what if you run out of ideas and things like that but that same sort of anxiety causes you to carry on mm -hmm. yeah and how do you how do you deal with You've had anxiety. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room's had anxiety. Yeah. But um, how how have you um, managed that when you're doing at, you're operating at such a high level, where there's there is a lot on at stake, I guess, and you're continually going through these cycles of like launches and you know there's like the peaks and the troughs and the yeah. how how do you do that? I think it's clearing your mind, resetting yourself every single day. We both train together in the gym at night after a hard day's work, so. That's kind of like our reset zone. And once that's done, like the business is done until the morning. Um, mm. So I think clearing your head as much as you can is great. Eating well is great. Mm -hmm. um, it all, I think it all works in hand in hand, your fitness, your health um, and your brain. When you look back on the, the journey of Represent, what's been the single hardest moment for you? Was there a particular day, something that happened? Uh, you're looking at each other. I've got, I've got a few, yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me one each if you can. Go on, you go first. In 2013, I found this factory in India and I've never sent anything abroad before. And we, it was just afterwards doing t-shirts and I liked the, the way shape, clothes were shaped and high-end brands. And I wanted to make something that was just different to a t-shirt and hoodie that you could buy from stock and, and that essentially create our identity. 
So I looked into how to make patterns and we found a guy that could make us these patterns and create us size sets and took me like six months, sent it all off to India, waiting for these samples with our fingers crossed for months on end. Eventually something came back and it just broke my heart. Really? And I was, I was literally lying on the kitchen floor crying my eyes out. And Mike was just sat, sat next to me just going, come on, it'll be all right. Man. <laughs> like that, that's happened numerous times, yeah. but. And yeah, what went wrong there? The just everything came back wrong. You, it's it's really hard to to use, especially like foreign factories and your view on something is completely different to someone else's. I think mm. just being, being younger as well and yeah. people treating you a different way because of that. You know, like um, they can promise you one fabric, but then they might come in and off the back of someone else's order and mm -hmm. give you another fabric. Yeah, right. we used, yeah, we used to get played like that by yeah. a lot, even in British manufacturing. That was that was a thing, and um, that really frustrated us because we have a we have an eye for detail, and when something comes back and it isn't how the sample is, that gets me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, used to get very angry at that kind of thing, didn't I? Yeah, I think for mine was. Um, we were uh, we were doing a, a runway in um, in Milan, wasn't it? And um, this is also like a high and a low question together, right? Because we were stood we were stood there like sort of watching the crowd pour in, and we were thinking like, oh, our two lads from from Manchester created this, like because we we did the show by ourselves, um, and we suddenly realised that we'd got no steamers. No, you're joking. <laughs> uh, fashion show, <laughs> which is like. <laughs> Horrendous. So that was the creased collection or yeah. some shit. <laughs> yeah. that, if that's your worst, your worst memory, I don't know. We've not had it bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a good, good point. If that's that is the worst memory, then it's not not nah, too it's bad. It's one off. It's just the one that right. I can think of. Um, you, you talked there a little bit about age playing a factor in the way that um, people treat you. Sometimes, can you talk to me about that? A lot of people ask this question because a lot of people think they're too young to start businesses. They're too young to try. And I think most recently, it's it's not like that anymore i think you can go anywhere at any age and be accepted for that same with what you were i remember six seven years ago when we'd go out into manchester we wouldn't get in anywhere because we wouldn't wear white shirt blue <laughs> jeans and brown shoes yeah. and the bouncers would look at us and be like these guys are come here to rob the place because they're in all black it's like yeah. do you definitely won't get this this is fashion and they just couldn't accept it so we'd, we'd go out every weekend as a group and we'd have we'd have to like split up into ones and find girls to go in with just to be able to get into clubs it's not like that anymore i think all over the world you can go in anywhere and wear what you want which is great but back in the day yeah especially with factories we'd go meet in factories and it'd be two young 20 year olds walking into a factory that was making for say it was making for mcqueen and balenciaga and they just look at us and think is this a joke but they soon realise that it isn't a joke and then it's great. Yeah. Much easier being yourself anyway than yeah. being someone else. And I think yeah. the, the brand represent and probably even the word represent kind of personifies that in a respect. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. You um we talked a little bit about sacrifice earlier and one of the things that you mentioned was relationships. Yeah. Um, something I've talked about a lot in this podcast about my my personal relationships always seeming to fall by the wayside as I've built the business because you know, it's hard to find someone that understands what's going on up here. And even though um, you can tell someone something, the words don't always do justice how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you there. I've never found someone that can accept how hard we work and that the business 
even though you can tell them it isn't your number one priority, and I know you've told people that before, yeah. it is your number one priority and it is your life and you wouldn't give it up for anything. So that that kind of breaks that kind of thing up. Mike, on the other hand, has found, found it pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you just have to meet someone partner. that does understand that first point. Um, right. My girlfriend's American. Um, and I Far don't away, really, nice. Yeah, I don't really see her um, too often, but again, that, that has its perks with being so hands-on on the business all the time and so we've got two different perspectives here so yeah. tell me how how you've made that work in terms of compromise and and communication because i when things get really tough one of the first things that goes is i i'll yeah. shut down a little bit in communication yeah. so how have you made that work i mean i kind of do the same i kind of shut down whenever i have like something big coming up i'll i'll retreat and not sort of say much and mm -hmm. she'll be asking like oh how you doing like you can tell something's up or whatever mm -hmm. um how how i deal with i don't know i just i think she to... accepts you for who you are and yeah. what you're doing and understands that you're on this journey mm -hmm. i think yeah. it's hard to find someone like that yeah mm -hmm. she can see like the the end goal and george what problems do you have with uh everything with, on the <laughs> talk to me about this i want to know quick because um we're probably no, I've had, in a similar I've had relationships before Back, back in the day, like when Instagram first started, there was this girl who was like the face of Instagram. And right. I, I fucking fancied her so much. And <clears> I even put her on my Instagram as a 19-year-old as a kid thinking like... Are you joking? Yeah, this is like when... when Playing was, a cool man. No, 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 no not, not, trying, not trying to get her attention. <laughs> then I met her in a club a few years ago and it, yeah. Break out. Something happened and yeah, it, it was one of those. Have you had um, a relationship? Yeah, I was, in, I was in a relationship with that girl for a year. Um, apart from that, not really, but yeah, I, I don't want to go in a relationship after that for a while. I prefer, I like, I like being on my own. I like being uh, not lonely, but I like, I, yeah, I just like my own space and I like, I don't having, not having to communicate with people outside of work. Cause I don't really have the energy after it. Conversely, Mike, as someone that's in a relationship, what what is the upside of being in a relationship when you're an entrepreneur running a sort of high intensity business? Um, just having someone to uh, talk to after, mm -hmm. you know, like after you finish work, thing, bounce ideas off. Um, yeah, she's especially. she's involved with the business, and oh, is she? Yeah, right. she's like she's really cool. She's she's in fashion herself, so it works for Mike. Right, she's a stylist. And is there some value in the fact that she's not fully in the business? Yeah, definitely. So I mean, like, I assume it'd be a lot harder if I if she was coming to work with me and we were working in the same environment, going home in the same environment. It'd be a lot more intense. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, yeah, some people might look at what I have as like a burden, but I don't know. For me, it's 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 kind of working pretty well mm -hmm. as it is right now. Yeah. Because it also allows you to get your... So I've got to be honest with you, George, here. I've just kind of got into a relationship. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're on your own I now. Mean, I mean, that's yeah. your podcast thinking, yeah. shit, yeah. I've got this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, only like, it's only like three months or something. But okay. um, she lives in France, so I don't see her much. Um, but when I do speak to her, because she's not involved in my world in, as such, it does feel like a bit of a, a time to completely step outside of the, the bubble for a second. And as I've got older, I think that's... I've, I've, placed a greater value on that and uh, as but she does run a business she's starting a business so she can still relate yeah exactly yeah. you have something in common yeah you, she'll understand your stresses and what you actually go through yeah george who do you think is gonna 
take you off the market. Talk to me about what this person's going to have to... <laughs> I, I don't know. I always go like. for the same look. That's my <laughs> problem. They all look the same. Um, what do they look like, Mike? Tell me. <laughs> they look like what you would find in a club in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah. Dark hair, tanned. Yeah, that's it, really. I'm not, I'm not too picky. It's just that I don't... Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me that's not good at um, holding things together. What makes you say that? Again, it all just relates back to being so focused on the brand that I don't want to lose. I felt like when I was in a relationship, I lost a bit of motivation and I kind of lost my way with how the collections were going. And once I came out of that and realized what had actually happened, that's kind of, it's not scared me, but it's kind of made me realize like, I'm at the forefront of this. And if I do something that isn't 100% for it, it can have its toll on the company as well. Using that word scared again, are you not scared that you'll be, like, this is one of my fears. <laughs> Probably still is yeah, somewhere well, <laughs> 55 years old, seven French no, bulldogs. I mean, I'm 26. I've got I've got a lot of time ahead of me. I've got friends that are in the mid thirties that are still single and still doing what they're doing and still trying to build businesses. So. I don't. I don't even think about it. Do you want to get married someday? Um, and have a family. I don't know. <laughs> ask me again in like seven years. Yeah. Seven what about you, Mike? Years. Yeah, ask me again later on. Yeah, <laughs> your girlfriend might be listening. You got to be careful what you say. Definitely She'll understand. Sorry, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> and what's um what's the what's next for represent as a brand? You talked about you know collaborations next year and stuff but when we're thinking about the future of the brand yeah what's the the long-term roadmap um just just expansion in all areas um we're opening up in china over the next few months and it's just good to go to other places and realize how things are sold and different ways of actually communicating to your customer and i just like learning as we're going on like everything is a big learning process and we're at five percent of where we could be at, so it's not like the the brands. In my in my eyes, the brands are never going to stop growing as long as we're we're enjoying it. Um, it where where does this end though for you guys? So you're, you're, the brand becomes a global brand. You're making incredible stuff. You're yeah. making billions. What did, is there an end point? Do you know what we we've, we've been approached by investors and approached by people that are, that want to sell the brand a few times, and it kind of like knocks you a bit and th- makes you think like. Shit, is is am I having like am I gonna go through an exit? What do you do after that? But we've got our heads screwed on and we love the brand and I I honestly couldn't see myself doing anything else. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a tough question here. One of the big fashion houses shows up. They yeah. say we're gonna we're gonna give you astronomical amount of money for the brand. <laughs> George is scratching his head. They're <laughs> 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 gonna give you an astronomical amount of money for the brand. Um, when you said then that it kind of knocks you a bit. Can totally relate to that feeling. Yeah. I remember the day that someone made an offer for social chain and it was a it was a, a big figure. And I remember going home that night was actually not not that nice and sitting in my room and yeah. do you know what I did? I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I went on Right Move and looked at houses and thought, Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out what this money would do yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I've done it, we've done it, we've been through it, we've been through it for a long time. Um I think spending time realizing what you actually enjoy. And realizing that it is your work that you enjoy and it's not actually the money mm-hmm. then you'll step back from that and think i don't need to get rid of this i don't need to 
move on from this. Like, th this is where my happiness is. They come in this fashion house, astronomical amount of money they offer. How much and, are we talking? Oh, <laughs> you'd have to decide what, what astronomical means because okay. I'm sure you know the numbers better than I do. But um, And the one sort of caveat they say is that you can no longer work in fashion as part of the, the buyout um, arrangement for the next 10 years. What do you say? Astronomical amount of life-changing money, but you have to stay away from fashion. 10 years is a long time. <laughs> um, it's a lot of money, George. <laughs> I think it'd be hard, much harder for, for I'd you. I'd rather go back, yeah, I'd rather go back to them and say, why don't you give us this amount and we still run the brand. Direct the brand, yeah. yeah. You said it, you think it'd be harder for him? Yeah, because like he, he's just got to be doing something all the time, yeah, even I on can't a Sunday. Sit still. Can't sit still. So you'd have to weigh up whether or not You'll learn to sit still. Yeah. Well, how you could occupy your time and whether or not that was worth that figure. So what what, what are the brands that you look at and you think um, you, you really admire what they've, they're doing well, whether it's the big, big brands the, from the big fashion houses or smaller brands? Could you just give me like one each that you're, yeah. you really respect to mine? My favorite designer is Hader Ackerman. Um, he's a French guy who has just the cottons that he uses in the way the product drapes and this is actually one of his hoodies here. Right. Yeah, I just, I resonate with it amazingly and it fits my body well. And we use that as an inspiration for ourselves for the quality and the attention to detail. Yeah, mine would be um, Rick Owens. Oh yeah. Wearing his jeans. Yeah, I've got Rick Owens um, Just because like, he's never strayed away from that, that, that gothic sort of look that he has. Like it's just, mm -hmm. and then also like his identities. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And what you what what do your your parents think of of this and the business you started? And did, what did they think when you first started as well? Because mine, my uh, mum didn't yeah. speak to me for two years. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, they did speak to her. They just couldn't understand it. My dad can't really use the internet, so he didn't understand that I was shipping clothes to America. He, like he he didn't he couldn't get his head around it. Even though I'd show him everything that's happened and. He'd be on like Google Maps looking at the address going like, bloody hell, they live here. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, at first they didn't get it. And then when it started doing really well and we moved out of the house and we had this big warehouse and all our offices and grew all this staff, they just, they, they accepted it and they love it. They, they love it. I mean, I hear stories that they've told people about me. <laughs> like when I'll be, I'll be in a restaurant and a guy will come over and be like, yeah, is, is your dad this guy? He's told me all about you too. That what's he told you? <laughs> I think it's but, just because he's from like a motor trader background. He's just so different. And like, yeah. even when we got the warehouse, he he pulled up and he was like, "Jesus, you're never going to fill this place." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they've always supported you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah always. Yeah. Uh, and my little sister as well. She's been great. What's the what's been most rewarding for both of you about achieving the success that you've had? rewarding um a young in in our early 20s it was like cars and watches mm. and chains and things like that was what we'd look at on instagram and like i've always been obsessed with rolls royce like i'm an actual rolls royce fanatic i can tell you everything about every car and the leathers and stuff and that's kind of like been in my family like my granddad was obsessed with rolls royce and my dad was they they used to like do wedding cars with rolls royces i don't know why but the first time i saw a rolls royce on the road i was like whoa dad what is that <laughs> and he told me and since then i was like i need to get one of those so like getting one of those when i was 22 i think was like a massive blimey like an amazing thing for me and i loved it and everyone was like 
why the fuck are you driving that? You, you're 22, you're not 60. And be like, <laughs> give it a few years, everyone will be driving these. And then they brought out the Wraith and all the younger people were buying them yeah. and all the rappers. And so that, that, was, a, that was a motivator for me mm-hmm. back in the day, not mm-hmm. anymore. I think it's like making, just making people proud, making, making your mum and dad proud and stuff like that, isn't it really? Yeah. That's what it kind of like. Uh, yeah. We we always felt like we had something to prove because my dad had his own business. Mm-hmm. He was selling minibuses and he was always teaching us like, don't have, don't get many staff, don't increase your overheads. He has like three staff um, in a garage and everyone thought that we'd just end up doing that because we'd go and work from on Saturdays and go go and work from on Wednesday nights and like I'd I'd be cleaning the buses with a a power washer and I'd be drawing on the side of the bus because that was creative and I could mm-hmm. that was that was the only thing I could find that was fun in it. So I guess that's it. That's what gave us the drive to be able to push ourselves and prove people wrong. Is there is there a lot of creativity within your family? Because the the way that I guess this is a question for for, for both of you, but Mike, you're the the creative director yeah. of the brand per se. Where does your creative vision and you probably you know this is a really easy question to ask, but not necessarily a, a easy question to understand because we're all just born the way we are. But mm-hmm. do you understand where your creative vision has come from? I don't know. I think it might have come from um, my grandma. Um, she actually altered the first pair of jeans that we did, and we've kept the same fit since after that right um yeah she she was a seamstress by trade oh really yeah that's the only bit of creativity mm. in our in our family tree so maybe it come for that maybe <laughs> i i used to just follow mike whatever mike did in school however mike dressed and whatever mike chose for classes i'd just do the same two <laughs> years later down the line because i thought it was so cool yeah, I, I was <laughs> like constantly getting in trouble at primary school for like doodling and like parents evening for me was just such a nightmare like i remember <laughs> what this one time my mum actually she came home crying um because this teacher i won't say her name had said to her that you know it's, it's, so, it's so unfortunate for you because there's no money in art and she was just say that teacher's name that's crazy no yeah, money in art and i i knew when i was different from um in the first year of primary school, they, they made you draw a portrait of yourself mm. and remember sign, the tea towels, yeah. sign your name, put it on a tea towel. <laughs> I remember. So like the whole year was on the tea towel and like everybody, and this is like after the first year, like everyone's, you know, like you couldn't even distinguish like limbs on some of them. And then mine <laughs> had like a fucking belt and a tie. <laughs> oh, I love men, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. So how was school for both of you? Well, how was the experience generally? I know you, I can tell you you weren't yeah, very good in school. Me. I mean, I had a big brother in there, so sure, it was it was good for me because I had that that like um, protection. Mm-hmm. Um, no one liked us because we had long hair and skinny jeans, and we'd wear different shoes to everyone else. We'd be in, coming in in skate shoes where everyone else had like the rock ports on and mm. the baggy black trousers, and we'd have skinny black jeans trying to get away with it in class. Um, were you wearing those because he was wearing them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we we, were, we had like Sony Walkmans, and we'd listen to American rock music. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like in Bolton, no one else, no one else really did that. Um, and then we're like on the internet at night, looking at whatever American stuff, that wanting to go to Los Angeles, and just just that whole culture really like inspired us, I guess, to be different. Yeah. And in school, t- in terms of grades and qualifications, did you we, do? Okay? We were both not very literate. Right. Um, not great in 
like your, your general studies, but obviously we excelled in graphic design and art. And did you did you buy into that narrative that because your grades weren't great, like your you know your teacher said that you know there's no money in art? Did you buy into these narratives that because your grades weren't great or you were doing art that that would mean you weren't going to be? Oh yeah, especially when I was in school, you know, if you didn't get good GCSEs, that was like yeah, done back for. in the day, yeah. 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 And would you send your kids to school knowing? Yeah, I think I think yeah. school is more about the personal gains rather than the the more academic gains and like how to deal with people and making friends and realizing what you actually enjoy. I don't think it's about what you learn in class. Mm -hmm. You can learn more outside of the classroom than you can inside the classroom. I guess yeah, it's a networking tool, isn't it? Really, as a child, mm -hmm. when you were when you were younger, was there a you, you talked a little bit about that moment with the tea towel when you drew yourself as like a, a you know with all the the belt and stuff? Was there a moment where you you started to to think to yourselves? Do you know? I think I'm a little bit different from everybody else around us. I, I see you nodding, Mike. Yeah, I, I, probably after that moment of looking at that tea towel, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can draw. No one else can. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think it's the way we looked. The way yeah. we looked. Yeah. The, in, the in, in terms of your mindset, was there a point where you thought, you know what, like we're we're because people always say, are you born an entrepreneur or do you become an entrepreneur, yeah. or whatever? My mum used to sit out. on the end of my bed every single night and say, "You're going to be something. You're going to you're going to make something of yourself." I can just see it in you, and I think that was just because I was um, so full on with everything and. I, don't like to lose and I make sure I do it I see everything through um so I always had that in me and I always because Mike kind of like brought me up through school and um through college and I did what he did that I wanted to make something then that we could both rely on and that yeah that we could just prove people wrong wasn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah and like like the idea of sort of doing art on like something else like a canvas or whatever just only sort of seemed possible if you were dead you know, like making money on that sort yeah. of side of it. So, yeah, it was all about making money as a young, as as a teenager and in school because that's what our dad taught us to do. Um, you know, I know it's like a classic tale of selling sweets at school, sure. but my dad bought me a moped when I was sixteen, so I could go to the shop at lunch and get people's lunches for them because no one was allowed out of school because um, it was quite a secluded area called Rivington, and you weren't allowed out on your lunch break and. I thought if I get this motorbike, I can go out at lunch and I can buy people food and charge them more. Mm -hmm. So I'd be going out to the local pasty shop, filling this little bucket up on the back of this old Peugeot <laughs> moped, whipping it out on the car park and selling it. Like it's making like fifty quid a day. Oh, brilliant! Which, which is absolutely amazing <laughs> when you're like that age. And yeah, then I got sent home. What are you? Um, what are you scared of? Both of you. What scares you? Um. For me, contracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean contracts? I don't like. I don't like reading. Don't don't like reading long things and uh, yeah. So that kind of scares me. Um, if I ever signed something that wasn't the right thing to do. But what like really scares you? If you think about the future and what what could happen, or you know what the things that you know they say keeps you up at night is the expression. But what what really scares you? Maybe losing it all, but then we could just start it again. So it doesn't, I don't actually know what scares you. What about you, Mike? Sort of running out of ideas, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
or just come into like a mind block. Yeah, or lo like losing a passion for for what you do. Do you hit a creative? Um, Wait, what scares you? Um, that's a good question. I think the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is that I might have the, I think this is a constant thing, is that I might be out of balance in some way. So I might right. be caring too much about mm. business and not enough about my niece and my mum and dad, and then they're going to die someday. Yeah, and then yeah, I'm going to yeah. be like, fuck, I had this all yeah, wrong. Yeah, we've been through that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely scary. Mm. We had that with our granddad, didn't we? Um, but because you're like you're you have the same the way you talked about your obsession with this um, is very similar to to how I've always felt yeah. and I got to a point where I started to question that and it, I'm not going to name names here but I've got a very successful friend that works in fashion and we had a conversation about um, and he's he's much older than all of us but okay. he started around the age we started and he came to me and said do you know what I I realized this year that I've only been successful in one of nine things i've been super successful in my business but everything else that mattered my relationships my family my this my that my weight my health yeah. i've just disregarded in the pursuit of this business and now i'm you know x age yeah and he said to me i've been waking up miserable every day for the last couple of years and so that has made me sort of focus on uh making sure my priorities are in yeah order. Bal balance is a massive thing mm -hmm. and i think your fitness and your health and what you eat is that that can affect everything so i think if you've got that in check and you make sure you make that hour for the gym and you make sure the food you're eating is good mm. i think that that can massively impact just the way you are with people mm -hmm. um you talked about like a creator's block like a creative block then yeah. is that something you've ever encountered uh yeah and you get so frustrated with it and good comes out of that as well how do you overcome that and when you say good comes out of that what do you mean yeah like when you sat there and you know like you 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 sort of have like a a word to yourself like like is that good enough yeah. um and you get frustrated with it and then that makes you learn how to make that one thing better and then you learn little things from that and just that just mm -hmm. keeps going yeah and when you have that a moment where you can't seem to to come up with a new idea or a new creative concept or whatever yeah. which a lot of people have in all areas of you know the creative disciplines what do you, is there something that you do is there like a no it just happens so you it just is, leave it and it just yeah it just um uh, it yeah. just comes to me sometimes i i i'll push you on something else yeah or we'll yeah. completely start it again and see if we can get around it that way when it went in terms of an actual design isn't mm. it yeah it's good because we we feed each other so uh, your mike has a, a great way of completing something and perfecting something but that start of it you struggle with don't you yeah you struggle with sometimes having yeah. that idea mm -hmm. and making it this thing so if i can feed him the idea he can make the thing it works we both know it's right yeah like, i like presenting options as well and and having somebody else like george look at it and say no let's just do that one it's obviously that one and i'll present three because mm -hmm. for me when i'm designing something you can't see the difference there's so many no. options of what to do right it's like yeah, you, I don't know. I your think, perfectionism yeah, seems to bother you. Yeah, yeah. Um, like to the mil to to the millimeter on a print width from the neck collar. Oh, it's a, it'll spend too long on that, but mm. it is what it is. Sometimes it's good to have him to just sort of like pull you out of it and be like, right, move on to something else. Is that a bit of a sounds like a bit of a gift and a curse? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm. probably the biggest one for me. Mm. Yeah.
but you you almost have to appreciate that clearly you wouldn't be here if you didn't have that gift and yeah. curse at the yeah. same time yeah it's sort of it's just time consuming for you especially yeah mm. that's that's the issue with it mm. and it's hard putting them them jobs onto other people because no one can do something like you can in your own mind mm. so like delegating that to someone else has always been a, a hard task yeah. yeah you've been through a lot together i'll ask you individually what does mike mean to you george um everything i could literally couldn't do this without him i wouldn't do this without him actually yeah if mike disappeared or popped his clogs one day i'd I, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to run it and vice versa mike yeah I, this not to be not to give an easy answer but i'd say the exact same yeah um there's no way that that we could do what we do without each other amazing so the last question that i always ask when people are on this podcast you'll know i yeah, can tell you smoking. <laughs> you're probably the only people that have ever might be prepared for this yeah, uh, question um <laughs> you can have a dinner party um at, um, at we're gonna do it at we'll do it at your house right. um um you i don't i don't cook by the way really okay oh god do, do either of you cook you don't really cook do you not i've not got into that yet Okay. Just because of the time. Bit busy. Yeah. yeah. We can order something now. Right? Okay. Yeah, we'll okay. We'll, we'll Uber Eats or deliver <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, hashtag ad. Um, <laughs> um, there's there's a table. There's how many seats? Let's. We're gonna have to add another chair. Seven. You have to have seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven. You know. You know. You know what's coming. Yeah. No, I might I'm, change I'm, it. Watched, <laughs> too much of your stuff. <laughs> seven seats. Then um, there's four spare seats. Are you gonna pick two people each, dead or alive, that get to sit at this, the table? Tell me who they are and why. On, I'll do, we'll do two each. Okay. Um, Liam and Noel, so they really? can sort oh, it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if they sorted that out, that'd be the biggest thing in music. Yeah, is it always yeah, just it a big would, like, yeah. personal influence? Yeah, huge, yeah. massively. Yeah, um, two brothers from Manchester. Um, kind of like you guys. Yeah, yeah made, made it out of nowhere and really rocked the world. <laughs> so it's kind of good for us because it's like an inspiration to not do that. Mm. Um, but like their style and the way they were and their attitude and everything is, is so good. Have they ever worn your stuff? No, no. Would you want them to? Yeah, I'd love. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I, Liam, Liam's sons are actually really big models, right? Um, which is cool, and they look like them. We want to use them in a few campaigns. Um, but I if you need know, anyone else for campaigns, just let me know. I'm yeah. available. <laughs> I've tried to buy your stuff so many times; it's always sold out. I get staff to book you in. So, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, I don't. I'm not saying this to bullshit on the podcast. I've been on your website loads of times, and every time I try and buy something, everyone's already beat me to it because maybe a little bit slower to it. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've brought you loads of things anyway. Oh, so you have? Right now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. I didn't know that. Um, my two people for the dinner table: mm -hmm. Winston Churchill. Oh wow! Why? Amazing leader. Um, brought this country, brought this country up in a time of despair. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely loved the last film that they did about him. Mm -hmm. Don't know how true 100% of it was, but just like that scene where everyone's on the tram going into work and they're reading the newspaper about and like actually under in, in his bunker, it's an absolute nightmare and they've got no chance of winning, but everyone's reading his quotes that are saying that we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, like I just loved that. Like loved that drive that he had, mm -hmm. and he smoked a lot of cigars. I'd probably have a cigar with him. <laughs> I think Liam would like him as well, wouldn't he? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I reckon so. And then someone fashion oriented, probably Alexander McQueen. Yeah. Oh wow, British designer, absolutely yeah. amazing. Went through a lot. Um, 
yeah, it'd be good to speak to him. I watched his um a documentary, his documentary recently called McQueen. I yeah, think McQueen yeah. and I. Yeah, really moved uh, moved yeah. me in a, <clears throat> a tremendous, tremendous way because he was um, someone that was an unexpected face in that industry, to say the least. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and it kind of, I guess, it gives hope for every d young designer in this yeah. land, anyway, that anyone can make it. Um, what would what would these seven guests be eating? Start a main and dessert. Yeah, there you go. Didn't know that was coming, did you? No, <laughs> shook me. <laughs> and it's at our house. That Your house. Be hard. Um, starter. I don't really get starters. Mike, you're gonna have to do the starter. Just a bag of crisps. Crisps in a bowl. Never got a pint. Okay. Crisps in a pint. Yeah, yeah. Started off with a drink. What's your favourite food for the main? We need a main course. Um, have you ever had a boa in no. LA? Been to LA a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steakhouse on Sunset. That's probably both of our favourite restaurants. Yeah, yeah nice. fillet steak. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Dessert. Dessert. We don't eat dessert. Do you not eat dessert? No, nah, we never get to that. You don't eat desserts? No. You're sacrificing too much, lads. What, what would it be, though? Um, when I was a kid, I used to love... Um, Going to them like fake Italian restaurants and having like profiteroles. Oh, I think you were going to say like sherbet or something. No. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Profiteroles. You know, it's like crisps for a start. Like, what do you mean? Where do I think you're from? The planet. Um, anyway, look, it's been um, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you, to talk to you, and to understand you a bit better. Um, the as you say, there's there's tremendous mystery surrounding the brand. I think anyway, and. Um, it is it is fascinating to get a, a a closer look at what's what's made this brand so special. Because when I say this, um, I mean it. Like the brand does feel really special, mm -hmm. and typically when that's the case, you can there's it feels special because it's coming from a really true, real place, yeah. and that's like super super clear to me and evident once I've met you. And anyone that is thinking about getting into the world that you're in from meeting you i think the advice i'd give them is you know as you said if it isn't true to your heart if it isn't what you yeah. breathe and it doesn't come from your pure inspirations then unfortunately they're going to have their ass whooped by people like you that are so driven by a, a crystal clear unique inherent innate set of sort of inspired values and that's what represent what it's all about it's why i i saw the brand and wanted to buy it immediately because it felt special yeah and i think that's what it's all mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. making that consumer feel a way mm -hmm. um personally yeah and that's and that's a testament to you both so thank you for yeah, for really coming on today it. thank yeah, you thanks for having us it's been amazing to, to chat to you and um where can everyone find you i know typing in represents the easiest thing to do yeah. these days but in um, terms of your in, instagram in the uk yeah. You can find us in Selfridges and Harvey Nichols. Cool. In terms of social media, yeah, I'm George Heaton, and that's Mike underscore represent. I'm sure you're going to get loads of messages. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, cool. guys. Appreciate Amazing. it. one decision away from taking your business to the next level and a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky. And it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. <laughs> 